Welcome to the Big Picture Social Emotional Learning Podcast. If you've been here more than a few times, then please know how much I appreciate you, how very much I appreciate you, because this podcast really isn't for everyone. I wish it were, but I don't think it is, because this podcast is not for educators who interact with children on a purely top-down, sage-on-the-stage, teachers-know-all, while students are related to as empty receptacles into which teachers must deposit all the knowledge their students need, which pretty much totally disregards and undervalues children's own inclinations and insights, along with children's uniquely personal ways of observing, feeling, evaluating, and thinking. This podcast is curated around topics, conversations, and thought leaders that highlight intentional reciprocity between teachers and their students so that learning happens in all directions as compared to the top-down, sage-on-the-stage, teachers-know-all kinds of approaches usually characterized by teachers who need to maintain control and who need to establish, establish themselves as the ultimate authority figure. When intentional reciprocity is the main design element of the classroom dynamics, both teachers and students are open to the possibility of learning from each other. No one is above anyone. There is mutual respect because both teachers and students acknowledge that they have different experiences, different perspectives, and different expertise that can enrich, expand, and educate everyone involved for everyone's benefit. Dialogue, conversation, is an essential essential component because without mutually respectful communication, I mean, how are students supposed to learn to think for themselves? How are they to gain the confidence that they have the ability to analyze the situations for themselves and to creatively solve problems, both independently and collaboratively? Teachers and caregivers who are not inspired by opportunities to develop creative thinkers and creative and collaborative problem solvers in their classrooms will continue with the top-down teaching approach and will very likely discontinue listening to this podcast, moving in the direction of developing students who are becoming increasingly habituated to obeying instructions that are imposed upon them and or students who are acting out in rebellion because that model of always having to obey and listen and be, you know, the recipient of knowledge, solely the recipient of knowledge, it's just so behind the times. It is so not what is needed at this time in human history. And it's not nearly as much fun nor as deeply rewarding as a classroom can actually be. When teachers consistently model that they too are learners, and it has to be real, obviously, that they don't have all the answers, that they really do enjoy and for real enjoy learning, that they enjoy the process of searching for answers, then naturally students will be more likely to have a healthy enthusiasm towards new discoveries and learning as well, especially when it's done with the teacher. 
And this is when teachers can do the most teaching, providing the most constructive guidance, the most engaging guidance, and ultimately being remembered as teachers who really made a difference in the educational development of their students. And so every episode of this, the Big Picture Social Emotional Podcast, will seek to share and has sought to share with you all the ways that intentional reciprocity is happening in classrooms. In this episode, we're going to learn how two preschool teachers, two exceptional preschool teachers, Nadia Habaneta and Brian Silvera, are responding with intentional reciprocity to their young students' serious concerns about current events relating to social justice and, more specifically, to the murder of George Floyd. Brian, you missed it, but Nini said she was going to try not to be mushy. Yeah, and I'm trying oh, very hard fine. right now. I'm trying very, very hard right now to tell you the truth because what you two are doing is something that isn't even in the conversation a lot of the time. It's either like academics or it's play. And what it seems to me, what I see you two doing is you're respecting kids and meeting them where they are in the world that we live in now. And you're, you're being with them and helping to nourish them and strengthen them so that they can be in the world in ways that are solution oriented and giving them respect, the self-respect that they can, they can manage that even if it's hard. And I, I just, if there's anything you want to say about that, or I can just start asking you questions, whatever, whatever. Thanks, Nene. I appreciate your sharing that with us. Um, Brian, you're good if I go first? Go for it. Something I was connecting to with what you're saying, Nene, is that encouraged by the children and our mentors is, I think, part of my role in sharing these stories, whether it's through the film or writing or webinars, is really to, to share these real life stories that you aren't, like you said, aren't out there that much of real practitioners on the floor with young children, having conversations of whether it's the joy in diversity and being different and what's similar about us, or having conversations about what is unfair in our world right now, how can we make things fair? We're not seeing that much out there. So to have our voice and share our voice, again, of these real stories, real children um, is very important to me. And I've been extremely supported by the children. They would tell, tell me like, we, we have to spread, spread the word, to spread the news, how are we gonna do this? So really um, doing this along with them and their families my colleagues, my mentors. Brian, what are you thinking? It's so yeah. beautiful to see it in action. Go ahead, Brian. It really is. And I don't think you can get too mushy when talking about this because this is heart work, heart, not just hard work, but heart work. And it's self work. And it's, it's um, so uh, when you were speaking, when Nadia was speaking, I thought about 
um, you know, helping children, families, colleagues, ourselves um, do anti-bias work um, is a lifelong gift. And it's not an add-on. It's not something that we just add on to our curriculum. It's not, we don't have a, a circle time that's just dedicated to this, or it's not just the, the celebration. It should, it's a lens that we're creating to view the world and it's a mirror to view ourselves. I love that. I love that. And to, to be, because kids are seeing all of that, all everything anyway, the young kids, to, to not acknowledge that, it's like a muscle that won't get exercised. And so that is something that won't get developed. It'll just get, what happens? I mean, it's, it's what we see in the world now where so many of the kids weren't nurtured in that way. And so I don't want to say anything incorrect here, but it's almost like, okay, I, I won't look at that or I'll just take one perspective. I'll take a one-sided perspective. It seems like in your class, you're trying to, to, to really look at it from a, a bigger perspective that isn't just one-sided. So that, help me with this, because uh, I don't want to be describing what you're doing. Like, you're better at describing what you're doing than I am, but this is just what I observed, so. Thanks. I think um, what I'm connecting with what you're saying, Edie, is really there isn't one way to do this work. And when something happens that, for example, in the film, I talk a little bit about how I struggle with when to be proactive and bring something up or yes. wait to see if the children bring it up. And we struggle often just at our school and being on the same page on, on that, on what we do wanna be proactive about and what some teachers might think is not age appropriate. Right. So when children do bring things up or I choose to bring them up, it's really looking at it with an anti-bias lens seeing with, where each child is at, where each family is at, where I'm at, my co-teachers are at, where my director and my thinking partner, Brian, is at, and really supporting each other through all this. And we may have different perspectives on it, and that's okay. Yeah. Um, but really knowing that we all are in this together, and we have the same goal of being the adults in these young children's lives who are helping make this world a better place for them and having them feel empowered that they can help make this a better world as well. So that's one of my, my goals in my work with young children and with educators. And like Brian said, it's, it's hard work and it's also hard work, it's both. Yeah. Would you like to add to that, Brian? Um, yes, I would. Um, and I think about a quote from Adrienne Rich and I, I quote it often where she says, um, if someone in a place of authority, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, mm -hmm. um, describes the world and you are not in it. Um, it's like looking in a mirror and seeing nothing. And so mm -hmm. I think that what, um, if we are the antidote to a lot of things that are, that children are going to face as they go through life. Um, they're you going as to, teachers. We as teachers are, and as parents and as, as right. human beings in the world. Right. Um, we need to shed light on certain things. And like Nadia said, we're not all going to be on the same page. We may not have the same um, roadmap. You know, we don't, we don't consider this film a roadmap. 
for anything we consider provocation. Um, and, and then people need to contextualize, you know, we, we live in a very diverse urban liberal environment, but somewhere else Francisco, yeah. it be different, you know, you have, so you have to contextualize it. Right. So I, but I do think that in doing nothing, we are doing damage. Say that again, when we're not doing that thing. When we're doing nothing, we oh, are doing, not we can, we are doing damage. Absolutely. Define damage, define damage. If children, it's, it's like the quote, if children aren't seeing themselves reflected, if we're not really going deeper into, um, into the families in our care, but also the, the, the world around us and, and, and really um, sh showing and, and um, in all of our ways and all of our written materials and all of our, in our admissions and in our hiring and, and um, in our policies, Policymaking, then we um, are hurting families. So, so me as a white man, I may um, have the privilege to not think about that and not bring it up, but I am hurting families and hurting children. So that is my calling as a, an educator. It's so powerful. I mean, it just it's just so essential to the health of our society, to our country, and our world if we really, you know, take on that responsibility besides, I mean, it's good, play is important and I'm sure you have that in your school, but respecting the children's sensibilities and what they're seeing and when they can't talk about it, damage, damage to the max in my observation in life, yeah. So I just honor you just to the absolute heights that you're, I saw those kids just empowered, and I, I hate that word because it's become a cliche, but they're, they're becoming strong in themselves. They're validated. Their intelligence is validated. Their individuality is validated. I want to go on another subject of just when you two, when there are different perspectives, when you two meet or when, you know, you meet with the families and there are different perspectives, Hallelujah. Hello, please. That's what we're talking about, differences. So what happens? How do you maneuver through those differences and how to manage these kinds of challenges with the kids? I think just backing up a little bit um, before that even happens, yes. something that we strive for at our school is to really, even before families enroll, let them know whether it's through our literature, like Brian said, through our website, through our tour, what our school values are, that we are committed to social justice. Mm -hmm. Here's some examples of what might that, what that might look like, whether it's documentation as we're touring, telling them a story, letting them watch the film. So families know ahead of time um, what we're about, what we value and what that looks like for young children and what their yeah. role is. For real, not just. Exactly. So that said, not to say that we're never going to have different perspectives or people who disagree with what we're doing, but it makes it, at least in my experience, where I have that less than I hear from lots of teachers all over our country. Like they don't even know where to begin because right. um, they're still trying to get their directors and colleagues on board in even just looking at the anti-bias schools and thinking about how to use them. 
in their everyday work with young children. So I feel very blessed to be in this situation, but there are times where families might say, for example, with the Black Lives Matter um, part in the film, there were families who were like, you know, surprised, like, oh no, I'm not ready to talk to my child about this. I wasn't planning on talking to my child about this. Yeah. Um, I wasn't talk planning on talking to them about what happened to George Floyd. So they really needed, um, they wanted more of the support. It wasn't, I don't agree with you. I don't agree with um, this child whose family told them about it, but it was more, I, I need support. I don't know how to do this. So supporting the families through that. And we had phone calls. I sent an email out to the families on about what had happened and um, ways that they can talk about it at home. We talked in person. Something that's not clear in the film is that this is right at the beginning of COVID. So they couldn't come in. So we're having conversations through the window. Um, so they couldn't come in and be with us, which made it even trickier, but, um, but really collaborating and thinking together and moving forward with, with this work together is important. Beautiful, Brian. Um, I really, I think Nadia said, said most of it. Uh, we did, I did have a parent who said I wanted to, um, he wanted to protect his children from from this and and um the conversation it was with a white parent and the conversation that i had with him was you know um when we say we want to protect our children are we talking about we want to protect all children do we want to protect white children from from this because um i i've had black parents come in and tell me that you know they experience racism their ch children experience racism just um when they go to, to the store or when they're walking down the street, um, they're followed or people are asking if they can touch their hair. There's all these different like microaggressions that are happening constantly in the lives of, of young um, children of color. And, um, and so um, I think we need to see children as competent and capable. And of course we wanna protect all children. Um, but there are realities in the world and we have to teach children about fairness and about what is right. And that word protect children, what does that mean and what does that imply? Because protecting, I think it's a, a good instinct, but if kids are seeing it and they're not getting help to interpret or to express or to share their feelings and get help with managing all those emotions and those observations how are we protecting them they're seeing that stuff and we're not what do you think about all that i think they're seeing it and they're they're also hearing it yes and sometimes we as adults don't know that they're hearing it and absorbing it so yeah. oftentimes we'll we'll scratch the surface at a at a morning meeting and say um have you heard the the news lately or um, in the case of the of George Floyd, um, I asked the children, you know, what do you know about Black Lives Matter? And so that we can start to hear what the children are saying, because what we don't want is the children to be um, talking about this just amongst themselves in the in the dramatic play area and not and having all those misconceptions or or all the fears that they would have. We want to really um, help them in, um, understand their agency. So you know what Nadia did with her class around um, you know, creating this, this way that the children could be activists yeah. um, was, was very empowering. And I feel like that's how those children felt safe. 
is that they could take action and make and do something really meaningful and real. Nadia. And I'm sorry, Brian, I thought you were done. Oh no, I just said your name. Oh. <laughs> <Asking> on. <laughs> say something I want to add to this conversation too is that we are not here claiming to be experts and saying we know how to do everything. So a big part of this work is learning with the families and going to the research, learning through experts. In the example of Black Lives Matter, it's a misconception. And a lot of the families actually told me this when they think of Black Lives Matter, they, they think it's about immediately police brutality. And it's not, that's not what it's about. So educating ourselves, learning with the families about what the Black Lives Matter movement really is about. Um, again, going to experts, I immediately looked up um, people who are actually doing this work in early childhood as examples of what it could look like and modified it to what could work for, for our school, for this specific group of children. I shared what I found with, with the families. I shared it with the teachers because teachers in the other classrooms were also like, oh, they're talking about Black, Black Lives Matter. That means they're talking about killing and police brutality. So also educating them on here's, here's what I learned, here's some resources, here's some ways that we can do this work in a way that is developmentally appropriate for the children. And if you really learn about the Black Lives Matter movement, the values really are just so connected with our school's values and really what it means to be just a good human being. Who's connected to the rest of hum the human race. Yeah. Exactly. Huh? Yeah. I appreciate, first of all, and I'm not surprised that you two would not consider yourselves experts or anything, but I saw it in the film too, where you're exploring with the kids in a respectful interaction, a mutually respectful interaction. I saw you listening. I saw you really listening, which is something we don't see as much as this world needs to see it. I saw you really listening to the kids. I saw you asking them questions and then really wanting to hear what they were thinking, what they were observing, what they were feeling, and then, and then helping them to find solution, a, a solution track, or a track that would help them feel like we can move forward with this, we don't have to be stuck here. And that's what I see as education that's meaningful. It's not just blah, 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 blah. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> yes. so, and someone like that I channeled through all this yes. uh, was Mr. Rogers. I oh. watched Mr. Rogers a lot growing oh. up. And just the way he approached situations yes. and thinking about, you know, always looking for the helpers and thinking about how we can be helpers. And looking, um, looking at the children and inviting them, like, how can we help? So I really channeled what I learned through him, through my work, and really being um, just treating the children as competent humans who can have these conversations and really think together. Right. Beautiful, beautiful. And of course, he was, it was just so real from his heart, but I saw that with you too, as well, just 100%. And, and we can all do that. I think if we start with that, what our perception is of what children are, 
you know, if we see them as just either it's academics or play, but they are, as Brian says, these competent beings that we, you know, this evoking that from them. I saw you two doing that to the kids' great advantage. Um, what else could we talk about? What else would you like to share? Yeah. Um, I did want to uh, respond to that a little bit. Sure. That's okay. Um, sure. I think one of the things that um, we've learned from doing this work for so long um, is that children, that bias is the water that we swim in, the water, the air that we breathe, and same thing for children. So they are, um, and Nadia has a book, You Can't Celebrate That, that really talks about this. I've read it. Um, when a child um, brings up things that sound very provocative or, or um, you know, biased, it's because this is what they're hearing. They're trying to make sense of the wor world. They're not doing, they're not saying things out of malice generally. They're just trying to figure out, you know, what, what's happening, what, and, and so again, like I said, what's not being said is really helping them form their opinion of the world and create um, their whole image of the world. And so we, so challenging those biases, asking questions, um, presenting springboards for conversation, whether it's a, 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 a book or talking about our own lives or noticing something in the community. These are ways that we can, um, combat some of those, those things that are out there. Absolutely, absolutely. What happens to you? Like I saw at one point, you, you weren't prepared for the child to bring up that he knew about George Floyd's murder and it was murder. And you weren't prepared. You hadn't prepped with Brian. And so what is that feeling? I mean, we've all had it. Describe the feelings when kids bring up stuff that you're not prepared for so that the people who are listening to this podcast can know that we're all, we've all been there and how you deal with it personally. So we can all, you know, feel a little bit more brave like you. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I mean, I think definitely in the past when it's happened to me and I'm like, oh no, I'm not sure what to say. I don't want to mistake make a mistake. What if I say the wrong thing yeah. in the past? I would just maybe answer something very sim simple and redirect the conversation mm -hmm. and move forward. Mm -hmm. And as I've learned to feel more comfortable with engaging with young children in these conversations, as I've learned to be more brave and courageous and learn the importance of really thinking along with them and and not, not shying away. And like Brian said, when we stay silent, you know, we're, we're causing harm. So as I learned all that and got more comfortable, even though I wasn't prepared and I was, you know, like, oh no, I wanted to, I wanted to bring this up, you know, where we, I can control it. And I have, I would have a neat package that, you know, I prepared with Brian. Um, again, this is real life. This is going to happen. These are young children. They're going to bring things up and we're not going to be ready. So just answering from, what I know is best for young children, helping them feel safe. And also knowing that I can always go back and either add more to the conversation, or if I make a mistake, that's okay. I can still go back. You know, yesterday when you brought that up and I responded this way, I thought more about it. 
and I changed my mind or I did some research and here's what I found found out whichever we can always go back and um repair um so yeah that's something that I've learned and it's it's not easy for for sure it's not easy and I always I still worry what if I say the wrong thing what if I make a mistake um and that's part of being humans yep we all make mistakes and we can repair and children are you know they're super open they're flexible you know they'll listen to like you know they appreciate us being honest with them and letting them know that that is how we learn through making mistakes. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, so it's, you know, definitely it has taken me time to feel comfortable when those things happen. And also we've said this already probably a few times, but also when we're sharing the stories, like, sure, you know, every one of us would, is not going to respond in the same way. And these things happen. There's not one way to respond there's so many possibility texts depending on our experience, our comfort level. But like Brian said, if you do nothing, we can be causing harm. So it's a lot to think about. A lot to think about. Nadia and I sometimes, um, <clears throat> we're based on our own social identities. Um, we can be triggered by something a parent or a child says. We could be, you know, something. It could it could impact us differently than it might impact someone else. So as a gay man. If a child says something that's based on a a bias around LGBTQ folks. Um, And so um, for me, um, what Nadia said about, you know, pausing, taking a, you know, telling a child, I'll get back to you. It's a really important question. It helps me to center myself, you know, because I really feel like I have to be centered. I have to, when I am talking to a child, I don't want them to feel like, oh, this is a topic that is upsetting to Yes. the adults around me or it's a, it's a, it's a topic that um makes someone uncomfortable because that's going to frame the way that they think about this subject so that's really important too. to me um and then to find allies so you know um so Nadia is my thinking partner she's also my ally so, so she can we can talk to each other about um how that affected us yeah I was going to ask you about how important you are to each other. What if you didn't have each other? What would it be like for you, Nadia? What would it be like for you, Brian? What if you didn't have each other? That'd be terrible. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it would be, oh gosh, I don't know, Nini, that's a good question. Um, I've always um, been drawn to people who are my mentors, who we can think together, we could run things by uh, each other. We can, so I'm really lucky to have had people like that in my life throughout my career. So yeah, it'd be really, I think, lonely and isolating to not have a thinking partner. How about, effective do you think you'd be as a teacher with that? You know, I think it would, it would really make my, my practice a little different to not have those sounding boards and not have someone that could share different perspectives with me. Brian? Yeah, I, I don't I don't think there's anyone else that I've met or, you know, and Nadia and I have, have had the um, privilege and the um, just great, great um, fortune to have some amazing, brilliant mentors, but Nadia is my day-to-day person and I, 
I don't think that I know that it, my teaching would be different without her. Yeah. I wonder what we can do about that. Maybe we should set up a meeting place or a Facebook page or something. I'll talk to you about that later because there should be some place, there must be teachers all over the country, all over the world who are having that lonely feeling of, you know, they have the instinct to have these courageous conversations, but courage is so much easier when you've got someone there to, yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, Brian and I are similar in, in that we really seek out professional development opportunities where we do get to meet lots of people yeah. who are from all over the United States and North America. And we've connected with, you know, this, I was gonna say small group, but it's a pretty large group of just like-minded folks who um, really have helped us in our growth. And also, again, it, having different perspectives to help us really think about what this work can look like, what are the possibilities. So we've been extremely lucky in connecting with so many folks in that way. I don't know if I'd call it luck, I'd say. <laughs> You've been extremely rewarded for your intentional focus on really bringing this kind of work to the children and to your to your lives. It's it's it's. I can't think of a more honorable path, but yeah, I just love you two so much. Um, so what do we, well, let's talk about the film exactly because I probably should have led with that, but I was just too I just needed to get into it right away. What do you want to tell us about the film? How did it happen? How did it get started? Yeah, yeah, no. So yeah, the film, I mean, you get just to get to see it in action right away, but a little bit of the behind the scenes. Um, Brenna and I were invited to join two other schools in Seattle mm -hmm. as part of the group of the core teachers whose work um, was highlighted. Mm -hmm. And our, our school was gonna be the last one to be filmed. And that date was set right when COVID happened and when it was shelter in place. So, you know, in those days it was like, eh, it should just be a few weeks. So we'd reschedule and okay, maybe a few more weeks. So we reschedule again till finally it was like, wow, this is, this is not just going to be a, a few weeks, but we really want to be a part of it. And Debbie Lee Keenan, John Nimmo, also Felice McKinney, who were just so creative in, and really willing to be flexible in, we want to make this work. So we were, again, very lucky to have a teacher who actually used to be a student at Pacific Primary, who is a cinematographer. So we invited Cameron to join our team of being in the classroom and being able to film some of the work that we were doing as well as just filming with our iPhones and really planning that with the team and sending them lots of photos and pictures. So you'll see that, or maybe you don't notice that ours looks a little different than the other ones because we had to really be creative in, in making that work. Yeah. That's definitely something you don't see right away yeah. in the film. I'm not sure I noticed it. <laughs> There's one, I think I'm the only teacher that you might see wearing a mask in the film. <laughs> that I probably noticed. <laughs> in those days, all we got was this big shipment of those 
white plain masks. I was like, oh, I don't like those masks, I like the cute ones. But anyhow, <laughs> Brian, what else should we add about behind the scenes? Um, well, have we already talked about the fact that the film is, I'm not sure what we talked about or not. So I'm just going to say the film was um, concentrated and focused on the um, voices of practitioners and not um, talking heads, I think, and you know, the experts, because I think the practitioners are the experts, but yes. um, they wanted the, it to just be the voices of the, the experiences of teachers who are doing the work in the classroom and, and you know, and that is work that is risk, you know, to, to share that is, is risky because you're, you're kind of bearing your soul. You're, you're, sh you're showing all, you know, you're showing your classroom, you're showing things that people might criticize. And so I think that it's really important to, um, to really honor these teachers that, that put themselves out there and, and share their, their, rea their reality. Um, and then the other thing that you don't see in the film, I, and Nadia kind of alluded to this, is all of the conversations that we had with um, colleagues and with parents and local activists. Um, these, um, these were things that were happening all the time. Yeah. Um, Nadia actually called me right before we came back to school um, from the pandemic and said, you know, what if children say, talk about George Floyd? You know, she... She, she had the foresight of thinking about this. So when I say that in the film, or when I say that um, I was just thinking about my classroom, I was, we were tasked with creating classrooms that were you know, separate where the children had to be separate. And, and uh, you know, we, were, we were all really, really worried about COVID because yeah. it was just at the beginning. Yeah. Um, so I really, so when Nadia brought that up, it really helped me to sort of frame my thinking again, back to this lens of anti-bias work. Yeah. How important this country needs classrooms like yours all over every city, every state, every district. It's just, can you imagine what this country would be like if these conversations were happening everywhere? we wouldn't have to have them anymore because we'd be healed. And I think, you know, going back to, I think connecting lots of these little conversations we're having now, yes. I think that um, there isn't a recipe that Brian and I can give you on how to do this work for the listeners out there. There isn't like step one or two, three. Yeah. So our goal with sharing these conversations, sharing the film, writing, is that you'll all figure out the ingredients that work for you in your context to have these conversations, to plan this curriculum, to really be a social justice leader in your community. And we've been talking about um, things that may happen that cause harm. And I really think it's harmful and who may do this work differently. Maybe don't agree with what we did in the film. They might do it a different way and that's okay. There's lots of different ways to do this work, but to, to criticize, I think causes harm. And there's teachers out there who are just starting out and the harm that it causes is that they might be afraid to do this work now because they're worried someone's gonna criticize them. They're worried they're not doing it right and someone's gonna point it out. Mm -hmm. So Brian and I have been working really hard with our community and calling each other in and doing this work together and thinking together rather than calling each other out 
and criticizing. So I think that's a really important piece of this work is to really do this work together. And there might be a time where someone's doing something that is harmful and let's have a conversation with that person. Let's talk, tell me more about what you were thinking. Tell me more about your plan. Tell me more about what the child said and, and let's have a conversation about how we can go back. Yes, I agree completely. Um, yeah, because when we start demanding that everybody be the same or look at things in exactly the same way, then we're, we're reforming the same, the problem just in a different shape, you know? We're not all the same and we're just not. And so we will have different ways to, but basically if we go back to, well, what do we want? We do want a, a more peaceful world. We do want more compatibility and mutual respect. Am I saying things that you agree with? I mean, so how can we have that is our kind of guardrails for achieving, going about it in whatever our individual ways are. Yeah, yeah. You you use a lot. You have a lot of research, and I'm I'm hoping to get some of your sources to put in the show's notes. Um, I will put information about the film into the show's notes. Um, but will you give me resources? Do you want to name any of them now? Yes, no, definitely. I want to give a shout out to many people that I learned about through my research in um, the last couple of years. For example, I'll give a shout out to Makai Kellogg, who I learned a lot about. Um, what is Makai Kellogg. How do you spell that? M-A-K-A-I. Okay. And hopefully I don't mess up her last name, K-E-L-L-O-G-G, -G, I yep. want to say. Good. And also Denisha Jones, oh. D-E-N-I-S-H-A, and then Jones. Okay. And I'm blanking out at... Lelania Garcia. Thank <laughs> <laughs> What is that name? Lelania Garcia, who... Um, who uh, interpreted the Black Lives Matter guiding principles. She wrote a kid-friendly version of the 13 principles that Nadia and I both used um, during the, the, the time um, that we were, that, uh, that Nadia's class was talking about George Floyd and Black Lives Matter. Okay, is that something that people can get, get their hands on? Yep. Yes. So Lelania? L-A-L-E-N with the with the tilde yes a and then garcia good good the book is called what we believe what we believe good and so, so i was googling it while we we're talking yes. i do want to give credit to um it's not my idea about calling in and calling out but i'm forgetting her name so i'm looking it up for you oh, good, good. <laughs> do you remember her name <laughs> I can't remember Campbell. I can't remember her name. Yeah, oh, I'll find it and send it to you, Nini. Okay, great. It's so good to have lots of sources, you know, because some, you know, there is, in some ways, there is no new information, but somebody says it just the way that you can really hear it, you know, 
And this is important. That's why it's important to have different sources and yeah. But it's just such an honor to talk to you. And I do have your book. Um, you can't celebrate that, Nadia. I've read it. And I want to have another conversation with you on this podcast about that book, please. Awesome, sure. Yeah, I just have to find some time when you can <laughs> spare yeah. for me again. But just, I love you two so much. What else do we want to talk about? The, the title of the film and how people can watch it. I will just put that in the show's notes. Is there anything more that you want to say about that? I think there's also, um, yeah, if you can add the guide, I think the guide really helps with giving a little bit of the context and has some questions to think about throughout the film. Very good. All right. All right. And then, yeah, I'll email you the name of the, the person who really talks a lot about and has done research on calling in and calling out. And then a few other books that we, we've been using. We'll, we'll send those to you as well. Okay, wonderful. All right. Well, thank you. Awesome. Thank you, Nini. That was fun. Oh, <laughs> amazing. Amazing. Carry on. We'll be in touch. All right. Take Bye. care. All my best. All my best. Bye, Brian. Bye-bye. All right, then. Uh, so just be sure to check out the show's notes because there is a world of uh, resources that Nadia and Brian have shared with us on there. And if you have any questions, any comments, any concerns, please uh, contact me. Feel free to contact me or go to, actually you can go to the Facebook page, which is Big Picture Social Emotional Learning Podcast on Facebook. And there's also an Instagram page, Big Picture Social Emotional Learning Podcast. Okay, I'd, I'd love to be in touch with you about any, any thoughts you have, any concerns. It's kind of up to us to make this happen for the kids and for the, the coming generations of, of students that are going to be making a difference in this world, we hope. All right, thank you again for being here. <laughs>